Welcome to today's 10 with Ben podcast about real estate in the new world and what's really happening out there. Hope everyone's having a great end of summer. September in Chicago has been nothing short of perfect. Great weather. The kids are back in school. The NFL season has started, although not great for the Bears. And even with the Delta variant, there seems to be a lot of positive energy about the future and beating the pandemic. I've said this before, but up on the 35th floor of our corporate office on Wacker Drive, things are truly sunny. A lot of deals getting done in this office and in our suburban office as well. Most recently, Eden's Corporate Center was purchased at 630 and 650 Dundee Road in Northbrook. Which brings me to my guest today, Larry Elbaum. Larry is one of the co-founders of Bradford Allen, my partner who took me under his wing almost 18 years ago and taught me the business. An all-around great guy and someone I personally have the utmost respect for. Welcome to the show, Larry. Thanks, Ben. Before we jump into your thoughts on real estate in general and your view on the short and long-term effects that the pandemic might have on the business, how about you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? First, I want to thank you for having me on today. And I want you to know I've listened to so many of the 10 with Ben's and I'm thrilled to have the opportunity to come on as your guest. I'm happy to have you here. I knew that. <laughs> so giving you a little bit about myself, uh, I'm originally from New York when I graduated college back in May of 1990, I immediately went into the, the commercial real estate business as an office leasing broker in Midtown Manhattan. A few years later, I had the opportunity to meet my business partner now of 30 years in April, Jeff Bernstein. We started working together back in 1992. And in 2003, the two of us picked up, left New York, and came out here to start Bradford Allen. Other things about me, got married 27 and a half years ago, have three kids, one out of college, one in college, one still in high school, and after having moved out here to Chicago about 18 years ago, could not have been happier with the move that we made. It just added so much more to who I was and to my life that it's difficult to explain. So would you call yourself a New Yorker now or a Chicagoan? I will always be a New Yorker who's become a Chicagoan. Excellent. So who, who do you root for when it comes to sports? Depends which sport. So for baseball, because I'm not a huge baseball fan, my ideal National League and American League finalists would be White Sox versus the Yankees and the Cubs versus the Mets, and I'm good with whoever wins. Okay. Okay? Great. When it comes to football, I can't help myself. I mean, I've been a diehard Jet fan, so I'm just stuck on suffering. (laughs) All right? But since they're in the AFC, I can root for them, and I can root for the Bears at the same time. And let my biggest problem be if one day the Bears meet the Jets in the Super Bowl. I think that's a long time coming. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Basketball, I used to be a huge NBA fan. I was a Knicks season ticket holder and would never miss the Bulls when they came into town in the 1990s. To see Michael. To see Michael and Pippen and the rest of the team because I always appreciated how good they were. And I accepted a long time ago the Knicks were never going to be as good as the Bulls. But now I'm neither a Knicks or a Bulls fan. And my real passion is hockey. And the beautiful thing with the Rangers being in the Eastern Conference and the Blackhawks being in the Western Conference, I can root for both of them. However, I do have to admit that if the day came, which would probably be a lot, clo- a lot sooner 
than the Bears ever playing the Jets. But if the Rangers played the Blackhawks for that series and that series only, I would root for the Rangers. Yeah, I get that. Excellent. So just getting back to business for a second, you've been a broker your entire working career. What's yes. one thing that sticks out to you uh, from when you originally started in the business that still holds true today, what, 30, 30 years later, 30 it's, plus years uh, later? I started my 31st year this past June. And, you know, the one thing that still holds true is the fundamentals. Despite all the advances in technology, you cannot replace the fundamentals. Going, learning the buildings, learning the streets, learning the agents, learning the owners, you can't replace it. One of the biggest concerns I have about the next generation of brokers coming into the business is they believe that they can learn the business by using all the advances in technology. And the reality is, is real estate is a business of place. There's no two buildings that are identical. There's no two spaces that are identical. And I believe that this next generation of brokers, the ones that ultimately will do the best and have make the most money, have the best performance, do the best job of representing their clients, whether they're on the tenant side or the landlord side, are those that go and learn the buildings, get out in the field, and get to understand the nuances of the properties so that they can always answer the question, what will a dollar buy you? So that when there's two buildings that are both priced at the same price point, they can take a look and say that this one is a better value than that one for the following reasons. And that's the part I don't believe will ever change. Yeah, I always like to tell my clients that I can show you the buildings, I can show you the good in the buildings, the bad in the buildings, but ultimately I can't make that decision for you, but I can show you all the differences. That still holds true today because one building is going to be priced one way, one another way, and it's easy to talk about it, but you have to see it to know it. For sure. So did you ever think back in 2003 when you started Bradford Allen that we'd be sitting here today doing this podcast or even taking it one step further that like, you know, we'd be up on the 35th floor of 300 South Wacker and have a full floor of, of people working in real estate? The easy short answer is no. All right. So first of all, in 2003, I didn't even know what the word podcast was <laughs> to begin with. So we can start there. Yeah. But in terms of starting a business, Jeff and I had, we laid out our business plan. We had all kinds of thoughts, plans, directions. And I can tell you that the overwhelming majority of it did not go as planned. Okay. The one thing I can tell you though that I definitely saw is that 18 and a half years later, we'd be alive and we'd be doing well and the business would be growing. If you ask me back when we started what it would exactly look like, it wouldn't have mattered what I said because the reality is you have no idea. But we've always believed, you know, Jeff and I, we came to Chicago with the attitude that failure was not an option and we were going to figure it out. We were going to figure out how to grow this and build it and make it into a successful business. Yeah, that's really important. And as an entrepreneur and being a broker, you kind of, you see a lot of that. So 100%. You know, transitioning into a business owner probably wasn't as hard as maybe just saying, okay, I'm going to start this business today. You know what the biggest difference was, was this, is that as brokers, 
we were just risking our time. When January 1 came, we were risking our time. We weren't risking our money. If we had a ridiculously bad year, our worst case is we wouldn't earn any money. Mm -hmm. However, as an owner of a business, you quickly learn that there are people that are coming to just put in an honest day's work for an honest day's pay. And I'll never forget, you know, our second hire was for the receptionist position when we moved to our first office at 55 East Jackson. And this young woman, I won't use her full name, but her, her first name was Jenny. And I remember she was 21. She was so proud of the fact that she'd gotten an, a job in an office in the city because her and all of her friends had been working mall jobs in clothing stores out in the suburbs. And I remember saying to myself, wow, you know, she wasn't thinking at all about how new the company was or any risk that she might be taking. She was thrilled to get a job. She was going to come in with a smile on her face, give an honest day's work every day, all right, and expect that twice a month she was going to get a paycheck. And that was, that was the first time that it really hit me about the differences, right? Because now that we had taken on the responsibility of trying to build a business and we were owning a business, we could lose something, mm -hmm. right? We could lose money, we could harm others, and that was never what we wanted to do. And Jeff and I made the commitment to each other that there may be pay periods that come and go where we don't get paid, but we were never going to even be short a penny to any money that we owed any of the people that came and worked for us. Yeah. They people rely on, rely on you and, and you're building a family. So that's, yeah, that's really important. So transitioning a little bit over to, um, Bradford Allen, uh, the investment side of our business, which has been pretty busy over the last three, four five years in particular over the last couple of years, buying a number of buildings, uh, in the North suburban market. Uh, most recently, as I mentioned, Eden's corporate, What's been the draw of this market for that side of uh, the business? Well, we now own three properties up in the north suburban market. The first property we bought was back in September of 17, which was Tri-State International. The driver for that acquisition versus the driver for the two most recent ones, 570 Lake Cook Road and Eden's Corporate Center on Dundee Road, were two different things. Okay. The driver for Tri-State was it was a, it is a five building complex two buildings that were 100% leased long term to CDW and really brought good cash flow and good stability whereas the other three buildings the 100 200 and 300 building we viewed as a value add component and we really believe the strength of Bradford Allen is our ability to fill vacancy and our leasing team so our investment thesis there was that the long-term stability that CDW brought us, mm -hmm. coupled with our ability to add value from a leasing perspective, is what would give us the chance to make Tri-State successful. Okay. 570 Lake Cook, which we acquired during the pandemic in December of 2020, was a building that we had been tracking for the better part of 20 months. And that was an opportunity play. The prior ownership did not address the pending lease expiration dates of the second and third largest tenants in the property 
prior to putting the building on the market for sale. And we believed that if we could get the property at the correct price with a big enough discount and with our ability to retain tenants, that we could add immediate value. The pandemic is what gave us the opportunity. We wound up being the third group in and we were able to get the contract at a significantly discounted price. The property had originally been on the market at $21 million. We paid barely $16 million. Okay. Right? Due to an extended due diligence period, really were able to learn what was going on with all the tenants in a real way, not just in a condensed 30-day period. Sure. And we came away with true conviction and belief that we could retain the second and third largest tenants, which we've subsequently done. Eden's corporate, again, had a very similar profile to 570 Lake Cook, with one of its largest tenants having a lease expiration date coming up in the near term, and the seller not addressing that lease expiration date. As a result, you know, because you can see it in the papers, you know, we paid a number that was $11 million or so less than what the prior ownership had paid in combination of what they paid and what they had invested into the property. Yeah, wow. So would you say that COVID has changed your investment strategy uh, when it comes to, to buying buildings and the investment strategy overall for others buying buildings? Or is it pretty much the same as it was before COVID? I would say that Jeff and I had an extended conversation, actually it was multiple conversations, when the pandemic hit back in March of 2020. We'd been in the business for so many years at this point and had been partners for so many years that we had seen major recessions where people were able to take advantage of opportunities that those recessions provided. While the majority of people were trying to batten down the hatches, there were multiple people that also were able to take advantage of opportunities. And the discussion we had was this was the first time we were in a position from a capital perspective going into what was going to be, what certainly appeared to be a major recession. Because if we think back to March of 2020 and April of 2020 and what was going on with the stock market and so on, it's difficult to think that it wasn't going to be a major recession. Sure. And we decided at that point that we were going to move forward with the two acquisitions, 3333 Finley and 570 Lake Hook Road that we had been pursuing, as well as see if there were gonna be any other opportunities that might present themselves. That was one. The other thing is it caused us to start looking at other parts of the country in a different sure. way. Mm -hmm. So with, with these recent purchases, you must be pretty bullish on companies needing office space. We believe at the end of the day that people want to be together with other people. We're social creatures. The idea of not having to go to the office five days a week, 
at the same time every day with that routine, there's something appealing to that. At the same time, we don't believe that people want to be working from home for the rest of their lives and not having any human interaction. So we are bullish that there's going to continue to be a need for companies to use office space. They may not use it necessarily in the same way. They may not need as much of it, but we do firmly believe that there's going to be a continued need for office space. Have you seen a difference uh, with the buildings in the suburbs? And I know you spend a bit of time in the burbs versus what you're seeing downtown. Yes, I've been, we reopened our office back in June of 2020, which you know, in the downtown office, allowing people to come two days a week. And now, as you know, we've reopened fully. Um, but coming to the city back in June of 2020 and going to the buildings in the suburbs and the different markets in the suburbs at the same time, it's clear to me that the loop has not come back at the same rate that the suburban office complexes have. There is one similarity, though, right? And I think you can tie it to the large, publicly traded, institutional-type companies, which there's many more in the loop in a tight concentration than you'll see out in the suburbs. In general, those companies have not come back to the office anywhere near the extent that the smaller or more modest-sized privately held companies have. Do you expect that to change in the near future? With the current climate, um, it certainly appears that it's not going to change before January or February. It was encouraging to read the, uh, the data um, that came out yesterday, and I saw some articles today, that is saying that for the most part, it appears that we've reached the peak with regard to the Delta variant. However, I think the, the Mu variant is not that far behind, so it would not be surprising at some point in the next X number of months if there was another surge. I continue to hope that more and more people will get vaccinated, as I believe that without, you know, if we can attain herd immunity, that's our best chance. But also, I'm accepting the fact that this is the new reality. And I do believe that these companies at some point are going to have to figure out how to reopen. And it's just a matter of time. Yeah, let's hope so. I, I think, you know, when we look at our brokerage business over the last, you know, six, nine months, it seems a lot different than it did, uh, you know, 12 months ago and even 18 months ago when, when the pandemic first kicked in. And I think there is a lot more uh, confidence in the need for office, which, you know, the first six months or so, there was a lot of uncertainty. So I feel like there's more certainty now, which is good for everybody. There's definitely more conviction. You can see it in the numbers. Yep. The space tours are up. RFPs are up. Commission agreements getting signed are up. And transactions getting closed are up. We're still not at the pre-pandemic levels, but there's no doubt we're going in the correct direction. So what excites you over the next five, 10 years related to the office market, the investment market, and just real estate in general? Well, the first thing that excites me actually is continuing to watch Bradford Allen grow and mature and change. That totally excites me. Going from a micro to a macro, 
Uh, I'm very curious to see how Generation Z is different or similar to the millennials as they come out of college and they go into the workforce and what the impact is primarily on the loop. I think the loop is going to be very interesting to watch because in general, it has not transformed itself into a 24-7 community. It still is primarily a 9 to 5 Monday through Friday type mm -hmm. community. And it'll be interesting to see if the millennials are looking for the more traditional type setup, right? Or if they force companies to change so that the companies are more conveniently located to where the millennials are living. Mm. Right? And I have no idea what it's going to look like. So I'm very interested to see how that, how that proceeds. So time will tell. Time will definitely tell. <laughs> I am a believer, though, in the major cities in this country. All right? I do believe that Chicago will come back to itself. All right? I believe that there are many non-real estate-related issues that will have direct impact on the health and the recovery of the, of the office market, though. Right? Because I think it starts with quality of life. And if people that are coming into the loop, they've got to believe that there's a good quality of life, that they're safe, they can come, take the train, drive, take the bus, take the L, come to work, be able to go out to get a bite to eat, do some shopping, go back to their office, and then commute home. And I think that is a number one for the return of the loop. Yep. I would definitely agree with that. People have to feel safe. And when they're coming to work, that they're safe going on the train and walking in the loop. And all those fundamentals are, are, are so important. Well, Larry, this has really been great. Really interesting, thought-provoking. It's great to hear what you're thinking about the market, your investment strategy. I love just talking to you. And I get, I, I'm lucky because I get to see you often. <laughs> and I, you know, I've known you for so long. It's hard for me to believe that you know, we've been working together for uh, almost 18 years. It's hard for me to believe as well. <laughs> I honestly, I remember, I remember coming in here to meet with you and Jeff and waiting in, the, waiting in the reception area of 55 East Jackson and you walking in and walking to your office. And that's one of my first memories of Bradford Allen. And I was actually thinking, I'm like, that's got to be Larry or Jeff, but I didn't know which one. <laughs> I was the bald one. Yeah, right. You're the one easy to spot. So anyhow, really, really, really appreciate you coming on the show. And, you know, thanks again for joining the podcast. My pleasure. And I really appreciate you inviting me. Yeah. Well, that does it for us today. Please feel free to reach out to me with any questions at 773-562-5263 or email me at B-A-Z-U-L-A-Y at BradfordAllen.com. Until next time, stay safe.